Thank you for joining the Cornerstone Worship Center series, Panoramic Faith. Let's join Pastor Eric Holler for part two. What, just a, a, a thing on the membership update that we're doing. There's Derek and uh, Miller is back in the back and he's going to be receiving your information, mainly your email address because we're wanting to send out updates weekly about our, our announcements and keep you informed of all the things that are going on with Cornerstone Worship Center, all right? So make sure you, you stop by that table and get, get your information to us so that we can get things to you. All right. Have you found Mark chapter 11? If you found it, please stand together and we're going to read this passage of Scripture. And if you didn't bring your Bible, you can just read, look on the screen. Mark chapter 11, verse 22, verses 22 through 24. Are you ready? Read. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, What things soever ye desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. Father, we look to you this morning. We thank you for the awesome name of Jesus. That Lord, the beautiful name of Jesus. We call, your word says, call upon me in your day of trouble and I will deliver you. Your word also says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We thank you for the simplicity of the gospel of putting our faith in the Lord Jesus, calling out on your name, Lord. And we do that this morning. We honor the mighty name of Jesus this morning in this place. The word, because it's that name that is held because the word is held even higher. The word of God says that, God, that you exalt your word even above your own name. Hallelujah. In the, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So we're here to honor your precious word today as we look into it. Thank you for insight. Thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ Jesus today, to be upon your people, Lord. Thank you for open hearts, Lord, to receive the seed of the word today so that it will produce a wonderful harvest of the God kind of life for your people in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now, we've talked about Mark chapter 11, verses 22 and 23, and we're going to go to the latter part of 23 in just a moment, but I just want to give you a brief recap of what we talked about in this panoramic faith. Panorama means an unobstructed wide view. And when you, when you look at life, look at your situation through the eyes of faith, you're able to get a better view than what you can actually see. You know, just like Abraham saw the lamb on the other side of the mountain that we talked about before he could actually see it, but he saw it in faith. And as Abraham believed God, we know that the, God provided that ram just on the other side so he didn't have to sacrifice his son Isaac. And faith causes us to see the results of the situation before we actually experience the, them in, in our own lives. The Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I don't know about you, but I need this panoramic view on my life. I need faith. 
Huh? We need to be able to see past the obstruction, past the hindrance, past the mountain and see what God sees. See, God has a view of our life. God has, God has a wonderful advantage as God up in heaven. But God lives in you. And so he wants to get that advantage to you here on the earth. That cause you to, to see beyond just the temporary things. The Bible says, well, we not, do not look at the things that are temporary because the, the things that are temporary are subject to change. We walk by faith, not by sight. And so we began to look at the 10 different angles that in this panoramic faith. Number one angle was that the priority angle. Chapter 22 says, have faith in God. You got to get your priority of what you're putting your faith in. Faith in God is the way that it's going to cause things to work in your life. Number two was the proclamation. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, faith has a voice. Number three, the power angle, hallelujah, shall say unto this mountain be removed. Now Jesus was talking about a literal mountain. He wasn't talking about a metaphoric mountain. He was pointing to a real mountain saying, you can say unto this mountain be removed. I'd say that's power. Number four, the prerequisite. And shall not doubt in his heart. You can make no room for doubt. James teaches us that one who asks but doubts in his heart is like a wave of the sea tossed to and fro. He's unstable in all his ways. And, it's, and it says, let not that man expect to receive anything from the Lord. What is this teaching us about God? That God, God has a system. God has a requirement for us to believe him and to only believe him. And number five, we saw the prophetic angle that is but believes that those things which he saith shall come to pass and you really are the prophet of your own life if you don't like where your situation is begin to speak something different into your future amen and do it believing God now we're going to look here at number six this morning look at the end of verse 23 but shall believe those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. This speaks of production. He will have whatever he saith. As it is with a nation, so it is also with an individual. One must produce to have or else will eventually become a have not. A man named Sir Edmund Hillary. Anybody ever heard of Sir Edmund Hillary in here? He was the first man to conquer Mount Everest. On May 29th, 1953, he made the awesome hike and reached the summit of this 29,000 foot mountain. And he was knighted for his efforts, and he even did American Express commercials. But in 1952, the year before, <coughs> he attempted Everest and failed. And after his first attempt, he was invited to speak in England. And as he approached the stage and walked up to the podium, the crowd erupted in applause, praising his effort or his attempt at greatness. And Sir Edmund Hillary quickly backed away from the microphone. And walked over to the edge of the stage and put a fist in the air. And pointed at a picture of Mount Everest. And he said, Mount Everest! You beat me this time. 
But next time, I'm going to beat you. Because you've grown as much as you're ever going to grow. But I'm still growing. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You might need to tell that mountain today, that problem today, you've grown as much as you're ever going to grow, but my faith is still growing. Hallelujah. How many of you have ever believed for something and, and didn't see the fruit of it? Huh? How many of you failed in your attempt? Listen to me. That's no reason to stop, ladies and gentlemen. You just got to keep forging forward in faith and say, I'm still growing. I'm still moving forward. I'm going to keep believing God no matter what. So what? I didn't see what I was looking for. I'm going to keep believing God. Hallelujah. Until I produce because, because this, this gives us this promise of production. Right? Right? I mean, there were times when the disciples didn't produce either and Jesus rebuked them harshly for their little faith or their lack of faith. Their no faith. Huh? And as disciples of Christ, we got to be honest with where we are, where we're at in faith, but in, endeavor to continue to grow. Not be discouraged by our lack of faith or by our little faith, but decide I'm not going to stop until I see the produce of my faith. Not just going to talk to the mountain, not just going to confess. I'm going to believe God until I see the results. Production. People of faith ought to be productive Christians. Listen, if your ship doesn't come in, swim out to it. Turn over to John chapter 15 for a moment with me. John chapter 15 and verse 4. Jesus says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Everybody say, I am the branch. Unless it abides in the vine, say, He is the vine. He says, Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears what? This means they have a productive life, doesn't it? They bear much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Look at this, verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Verse 7. If you abide in me, if, if, if. If you abide in me and my what? My words abide in you. You will ask what you desire and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you'll be my disciples. So a mark of being a true disciple of Jesus Christ is having the the gumption enough to keep the word of God in your life no matter what you're experiencing in life and continuing to say what God says and then you'll get what you're desiring and you'll be a productive Christian. Hallelujah. Somebody got to believe his word, be convinced of what God says, and say what God says until they see what God says. And this is the truth. The word will produce in your life. You simply must believe it. Let's look at this next thought. Verse 24 of Mark chapter 11 He says, therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things or whatever things you desire. Wow. Everybody say possibility. What things you desire. You know, no matter how how dark things seem to be or how dark they actually are, raise your sights and see the possibilities 
always see them because they're always there. There was a graduating class a few years ago of about 93 high school students who were told that they could make no mention of God or anything like that. Everything had to be politically correct, this graduation ceremony. And so they gave their generic speeches and everyone applauded. But one student, the final speechman, stood up to the pulpit and just simply gave an astounding sneeze, wherewith all of the students yelled out in unison, God bless you! (laughs) See the possibility! Huh? See the possibility in the situation. Listen, when I walk by my guitar that's, that's propped up in the corner of my bedroom, there is a possibility that the next time I pick that thing up and begin to play, it just might be a really good song. Huh? Gentlemen, when you, when you walk by, uh, open the closet and you see the broom there, there's a possibility that you could make your wife really happy if you'll sweep the floor. And the lady said, Amen. <laughs> Amen. When the boss at work says, boy, you know, we sure could use this. Or, or, or you, you could either just let that go in one ear out the other, or you could see a possibility here. Huh? There's an idea. There's an invention maybe. And you can pass it off as goofy and say, well, that's probably already been done. Or just maybe you're seeing a possibility. Start focusing on the possibility of your desire rather than the hindrance. Rather than the, yeah, but, most, it, it would be nice. Huh? See the possibility. Because it's there. Let's continue. What things soever you desire. When you pray. Everyone say process. Prayer is the process by which we use our faith. Talk to God about your desires. He's the one that makes it possible. We just read that earlier. Without, apart from me, you can do nothing. The Bible also teaches us with God, all things are possible. See, prayer puts you in partnership with God. Turn over to Philippians chapter 4. It hooks you up to the divine resource that you need. Prayer hooks you up. Now listen, not just prayer itself, but the prayer of faith. You've heard this said before, but, and it bears repeating, that, faith, or that prayer is not what makes faith work. Faith makes prayer work. Amen? I mean, if it was just simply prayer that made faith work, well, you know, the Muslims would have us beat hands down. Hmm? pray a lot. And Jesus talked about praying amiss when you just pray all many, 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 many words. I mean, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, gives us there daily bread, forgives our trespasses, we forgive those trespasses against us, leaves not the temptation, deliver from evil, and the power and the glory forever. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Huh? I'm not picking on anybody here today. If uh, you're of a different denomination, just hang on, we'll get to you too. (laughs) Equal opportunity offender. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Philippians chapter 4, 
verse 6 says this. Be anxious for nothing. What does this mean? Don't fear. Because fear is the absolute absence of faith. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. By prayer and supplication with... Here's the key. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Ah, with thanksgiving. Jesus is standing at a tomb of a man that's been dead for four days. It's an impossible situation until the resurrection and the life shows up on the scene. Because with him, all things are possible. But Jesus so confidently looks up into heaven, standing in front of this, the tomb of Lazarus, and says, Father, oh, I really hope you come through this time. Help! You see the crowd here? Come on, seven, come eleven. Huh? Jesus stood there and looked up into heaven and he said, Father, I thank you that you hear me always. Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus did exactly what he was told. Do you know you have that same ability? Yeah, but he's Jesus. You're the body of Christ. You're not just like the body of Christ, ladies and gentlemen. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you are the body of Christ. He put the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead inside of you. You have the same ability, the same power, not, but not because you're such a great person, but because God is so great, because God is so good, God is so merciful, God is so gracious, and he has extended this same power, this same strength to you, and all you have to do is simply believe it's true. And when you pray... Pray with thanksgiving, with this confidence, see. When you pray, that's the process by which we use our faith. It's not, how we, it's not us trying to get God's attention through our prayer. That's not what prayer is. It's the recognition that he's already paying attention to you. And you're just connecting to him when you open up your mouth and talk to him. God loves to hear people talk in faith. God loves to hear prayers that are full of thanksgiving. That's what most of your prayer life ought to sound like. Thank you, God. You don't have to, once you've asked him, quit begging him for it. Just thank him for it until you see the results of it. Amen. I love Brother Kenneth Copeland. He said somebody told him, oh, Brother Copeland, we just got to pray through. We just got to pray through. And he said, in Jesus' name, I'm through. It's as simple as that. The name of Jesus will take care of it. Hallelujah. Yeah. What a thought. What a thought that men can talk to God. Not only just talk to God, but talk to Him like they know Him. Talk to Him like they believe Him. The Bible teaches us to come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I don't know what that does to your religion, but it messes mine all to pieces. Come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy. What do we need mercy for if we've done nothing wrong? Huh? Huh? Even with sin in your life, you come boldly? Come on, talk to me this morning. Or do we come, oh God, 
I'm sinned. Huh? How's he teach us? How, do you, how are you going to obtain mercy? Huh? How are you going to obtain mercy? Step into, the, into the, the throne room like you're a child and not a servant. Because God wants to deal with you as his own children. Out of some spitting, sputtering, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Listen, being a, being a sinner is one thing, but being saved by grace is something together, all together different. Hallelujah. All together different. Amen. Any saints in the house this morning? Amen. Amen. Number nine. What's things soever you desire when you pray? Believe, you receive them. Believe, you receive them. Everybody say purpose. Hmm, this puts purpose on your faith. To not only believe, but to believe that you receive. Not believe that it would sure be nice. Not believe that it, that, not even just to believe that it's possible. But believe that you actually receive it. You know, when, we, when this building was built, we could have just put ceiling tiles all the way across and no lights in here. And you could have come into a dark room Sunday after Sunday, and we could have had services. And then somebody could have thought of a possibility. Hey, they make these cool things called light fixtures. And we could lighten up this room so we can see what's going on in here. And so we install some lights in here. And what it's not enough to just have lights installed. You got to do what? You got to hook up to the source of light, right? So we have this possibility to have light. And then we have the hook up to the source of the light, which this is through our prayer. We hook up to the source. But ladies and gentlemen, there's still another step we have to take. Once we've realized the possibility, we've put the lights in, and once we've hooked into the source of energy, the source of electricity, the source of light, there's still another step to take. Can anybody tell me what that is? Turn the switch on and then realize. Turn the switch on and then see the result of the possibility and the process of hooking in to the power source. Believe that you receive them is turning on the switch, taking it from just possibility to purpose. Hmm. But you know what? If that switch was never turned on, we could put the lights on, turn the, uh, put the lights in, and we can hook up to the electric company. But if we never turn them on, we're still never, we're not be any better off had we never put lights in the building. And you're no better off just merely seeing the possibility. It's important to see the possibility, but to put purpose on that possibility. Amen. Are you still with me this morning? Number 10, let's look at this. Mark eleven twenty four. Let me just quote that whole verse. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Everyone say, promise. And you shall have them. Promise. Promise. There are a lot of promises being made right now by people who want your vote. 
I remember one a few years ago. Read my lips. No more taxes. I wish he would have come out later on and said, read my lips. I am a liar. <laughs> Be nice to have an honest politician once in a while, you know. Oh, can't be too hard on them, though. How many of you have broken a promise in here before? Yeah, 30% of you are honest in the room today. Huh? Yeah, you've said things and didn't follow through. Don't be too hard on them. We've all done it. Can I say this today, though? God always keeps His promises. Because the Bible says that all the promises of God are in Him, that is, in Christ. Yes, and amen. This tells us some wonderful things about the promises of God. Number one, they're in Christ, so that's it, the sure thing. Number two, the answer is yes. Are you hearing me? I said with the promises of God, the answer is yes. God has this disposition. Yes. His answer is yes to you. Could these promises be a reality in your life? God's answer is yes. What's your answer today? Huh? Yes. Yes. And in him, amen. You know what amen means, don't you? So be it. Russell Herman left trillions of dollars to thousands of people that he never knew. Interesting, man. Just one catch with Russell Herman. He didn't have trillions of dollars. He was just a simple, poor carpenter. One little town in, <clears throat> in Ohio, River City town, actually, called uh, Cave in Rock. He bequeathed $2.4 billion. <laughs> and the mayor kind of had fun with it, and he imagined all the uses that he could use with this imaginary money that was allotted to them from Russell Herman. You know, Russell Herman had great intentions, but he lacked the resources needed to make them a reality. Just simply good intentions. The Bible says that God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said it, and shall he not do it? Or has he spoken it, and shall he not make it good? You can bank on the promises of God. People are going to let you down. Life is going to let you down. People are going to make promises, and they're not going to follow through on those promises. But the Word teaches us that though we are faithless, He remains faithful. His faithfulness is not contingent upon our faithfulness. Thank God. He's God. And He's going to hold true to His Word. Because his word is all that he has. It's all that we have to hold on to. He remains faithful. He continues to keep his promises. You're going to believe something. You might as well believe the surest thing out there. Believe God today. Believe his promise. His promises are true. And the Bible teaches us that he's given us these exceeding great and precious promises. I believe it's 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. It says, by which we become divine 
uh, partakers of his divine nature. That means you live the God kind of life. You experience his nature in this world through these promises. The word of God also teaches us that, that he who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him, the greatest promise that's ever come to the world, with him freely give us all things. The Word of God also teaches us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, that we have received the Spirit not of the world, but the Spirit who is from God above, that we may know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Jesus is highlighting the promises. The Spirit of God is highlighting the promises. And verse 13 in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says, These things we also speak. Huh? Whatever God's talking about, you also ought to be talking about. Hmm? Latch a hold of those promises. Take God at his word. Believe that they're true because they are true. But listen to me. The promise of salvation coming to us by virtue of the Lord Jesus Christ can be missed if you don't believe. You can go straight to hell if you don't believe. Yeah. So God really has one major obsession with us. For us to believe him. For us to believe him. Because your salvation doesn't come any, any other way but by just believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, others will tell you it's all about turning from sin. Others will tell you it's about keeping the Ten Commandments. Oh, it's about you know, keeping up with the tradition of your church and all those kinds of things. But really, there's just one way. By grace, through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Simply believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't you love the gospel, the simplicity of the gospel, that Jesus died on a cross for us, he was buried in a tomb, and three days later, he rose from the dead. And the Bible teaches us that if we believe that, we secure a place in heaven. I love that. And you'll not get any other promises as a result of your salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ in this, in this life apart from believing God. Promise, just as your salvation is sure, just as the Holy Spirit inside you is sure. The Bible says that he is, Jesus said, go and wait for the promise of the Father. The Holy Spirit is a promise. The fact that you have the Spirit, you're experiencing a promise of God in your life. Amen. And he is the guarantee that we're going to be in, in heaven. He always keeps his promises. I'm thankful to God for that. God is good. And he is good all the time. Praise the Lord. Can we bow our heads for just a moment?